Did you know this Mannheim steamroller actually does stuff when it's not Christmas time? Why? I don't know. If I'm them, I'm just doing Christmas concerts at the T-Mobile Center and calling it a day, yeah. right? And giving the people the same thing that you've given them over and over Working and November, over December, again. and that's it. And that's it, man. I'm, I'm working two months out of the year. There's no reason to do any more, but good for them, I guess, if you get a job like that. What do they play, though? They say they play the same music, or...? It's just they Christmas music their with a spring theme. Mm. Yeah, like, hey, what do you guys want to hear? Yeah, and they play something else. Yeah, something else. Like, I don't know. I've, I've never, I've never seen them in concert. I've never been to a Mannheim Steamroller concert. Have you guys ever? Are been they to a all Mannheim? the original people? I think so. I would imagine, right? They can't go by that name if they are. Like they lost their front man. Yeah, they all dress up in like They're blue suits too and run around beating the, on drums. The big front kettle drummer. Yeah, he He's left the band in a pay dispute, and now yeah. they're. Running on these fakes or what? Mm-hmm. All I can think of is lights flashing. Like, See, you know. I'm thinking of Home Alone right now as he's running away, getting the house ready for Joe Pesci to come in. Putting Jordan on the record player. Mm-hmm. Who didn't want to do that to their house when they were a kid and saw that happen, right? That was cool. I've delayed it long enough. Uh, winter meetings have come coming to an, to an end. Yeah, and, it's uh, over. And uh, we packed up shop and left with uh, nothing but a couple of uh, radio interviews. I yeah, think. I about think that? that was about it. I, I saw a stat yesterday. The Royals are the only team in Major League Baseball to have not signed or traded for somebody this offseason. Transactional. That's right. Yeah. That's what we said. We're going to be more transactional. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Well, not yet, but sometime. Well, eventually. Eventually. You, you know, you and I were talking before the before the show started, and I know, you know, some fans are upset or whatever about we didn't get a Rule 5 guy yesterday, which I'm fine with. I'm tired well, of Rule 5 players, but. I, I just found it strange that we couldn't even steal somebody from somebody else through that route, which is set up to be able to do kind of stuff like that. And like, oh, no, our roster's full. Yeah. We have too many guys on our roster. We're good to go. Yeah. We're fine. Because they didn't have a roster spot, so they couldn't make a pick in the first round anyway. Right. Even though they picked like fifth. Sure. I'm like, couldn't we steal somebody's young pitcher? No. Somebody, anybody? I don't have a name. I mean, we don't. We don't scout this stuff. But right. I was like, I was, I was, I was among those disappointed. Like, are we going to walk away with this thing from nothing? Nothing. No, it's fine. <laughs> a triple A players or whatever that you got in a triple A portion of the Rule Five Draft. Like, did they have a triple A portion of this? Yeah, thing? Yeah, did they, they get some guys out yeah, of that? Okay. Got, All right. Well, there you go. But nobody for the major leagues. What the, hell, what the hell do you want? I want a pitcher. I want somebody's young pitcher <laughs> that they left unprotected, and he's going to star for you. So yeah. you, 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 so when have the Royals ever developed any pitching though that you would like feel free to go well, out? This is a new regime. You said I know, so. It is. I no, guess that they're going to have to. Right. So let's let's start from the beginning. We can't get ahead of ourselves before we get to the beginning. Well, I think I Keller. That's how they got Keller. Yeah, they did. Keller was that's fine good. out of the Rule Five yeah. draft, but I mean, you, you need guys that are as much. I as mean, I if you're not going to make any trades and you're not going to do anything. At least you had that option. Sure. You know, that's, that's set up for bad teams to go pick people off other teams. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know. Right? I, I'm just, I'm not in on the rule five thing. I, I just feel like that's like, I don't know. You, I, but if you just, don't have the right guy, you don't pick him. I know. Yeah, I get that part I, too. I, I guess. I, I don't know. I'm just, look, I, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm out of the mode of like I'm the rule c- five stuff. I want to be in the Aaron Judge category, right? Yeah, and but I know we're, we're not, not even there. close. Right. We're not there. And there's really no middle ground. And then you got the rule five. Like, right. Just, that's, that's the, that's our playpen. Yeah, I know. And I don't the, like that. That's playpen, the, so. that's the realm we live in. That's the reality we live in. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, JJ, uh, Piccolo speaking to the, uh, to the uh, star yesterday. I mean, basically said they're going to stand pat Mm -hmm. that they'll be willing to make a trade, but if it's not the right trade and they haven't found the trade partner, which they haven't, 
Uh, then they're pretty much, they want to, they want to make a trade. It sounds like, yeah, sure. A- and absolutely. they haven't found one that suits their needs. Every, if everybody knows you want to make a trade too, what, what, what good does that do? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, it looks like they're going to said the hard part is finding a partner. At least in our experience so far, we'd like to do, isn't necessarily what the other clubs would like to do. Mm-hmm. So trying to find that marriage of their needs and our needs, and then agree on players. We haven't made a lot of production in that sense this week. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that that's just the way it goes, though, in baseball anymore. I mean, there there aren't a lot of trades. It's not like back in the day where guys were, were wheeling and dealing and moving all around. I think we've we've established long ago on this show that, you know, Major League Baseball is now run by the Harvard grads who read social media, and they're afraid to trade minor league prospects because you've got so many people analyzing these minor league prospects that tell you when you trade a minor league prospect, you're doing it wrong. And, and, and really, you can even address that with the Aaron Judge situation that happened yesterday. I can't tell you how many people I saw yesterday nationally talking about how the Yankees made a bad deal with Aaron Judge. Had he gone to San Francisco, those same people would have been saying the Yankees screwed up by not getting Aaron Judge back. So I just want to lay that groundwork out there right now. Like no matter what you do, there are going to be people that are going to criticize everything. But I'm looking at the Royals kind of in a different lens now that Dayton Moore is no longer here, no longer part of this organization. And I'm looking at it as a new organization with new voices, with a new way of doing business, with a new way of going out there and attacking things. And I think for one year, we owe that to John Sherman. We owe that to J.J. Piccolo. We owe that to Q. We owe that to the three new pitching voices that are going to be inside that dugout to see what they can do. Because the Rule 5 draft is essentially taking a guy like Daniel Lynch, and I'll just use him as an example because it's the first name that I thought of, and saying, you know what, Daniel Lynch, just he isn't working here. We're going to leave him unprotected. And somebody in the Rule 5 draft picks him up, gets him in their system, tweaks a few things and then boom he's off and running and so I think the Royals kind of had quote-unquote their own rule five draft because we've got so many of these young players right now that haven't realized success yet here in Kansas City but if you were to leave like a Lynch a Bubich a Keller whoever unprotected other teams would be all over these guys and I, I guess there's a little bit of excitement with me more of a curiosity with me right now to see what these young guys can do under this new regime. I'm going to give it this to this time next year, or I mean, maybe it's May when these guys aren't doing well, but the Royals under Dayton Moore have I think a, you got to go. If you're going to give it a shot, you got to give it longer than that. Yeah. The whole year, I guess. Right. I yeah. Mean, the year. From that's now. what you're going to decide as a fan. Cause you can't just give a man go, Oh, do you magically do something in spring training? Yeah. I don't think that's, that's not fair either, but, but maybe they unlock it. Look for 16 years, Dayton Moore and his organization did not do a good job of developing starting. And pitching, now you've right? told them now you've, now you've told them by, by, by this off season so far, you've told them this is Dayton's fault. This is Matheny's fault, fault. And this, this is Cal Aldridge's fault. fault. Yeah, absolutely. No and we're question. just going to keep these same guys and see if it can be better and see if we can unlock them with yeah. different voices. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Clock's on you. Right. And and if for one year, okay, let's go and, 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 and see what happens for one year. I, I'm interested to try it because I think these are the type of players that do go to other organizations. Like, who was the guy that left last year that everybody was bent about that went to San Francisco and pitched well? And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, some pitcher that was here. What the hell was that guy's name? Um, he left Kansas City a year ago. He found a breaking ball or something. Found a breaking yeah. ball, yeah, yeah, yeah. developed something good. Everybody goes, well, why can't they do that here in Kansas City? Well, maybe they can do that here in Kansas City because there are no or there are new voices now here in Kansas City. It's not the same old playbook. And I think as as Royals fans and we're all guilty of this because Jacob the, Junis. Junis, that's right. Yeah. No no matter who who the who the guy is that takes over, you're always paying for the sins that came before you. And every organization like we've been fans forever and a day 
new folks come in, like 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 Q comes in to be the new manager of this team. He had no no impact whatsoever on anything that has happened prior in this organization. The three new pitching voices that are going to come in have no impact on anything that happened prior to this organization. And so when you bring in that many new people and you change the mindset of your organization and you change the direction and what you want to do in your organization, well, you've got a lot of people here in this organization right now that have the potential. And if they don't realize that potential, then I then I think you can say, all right, you, you've had Cal Eldred, you've had Mike Matheny, you've had Dayton Moore, now you've got the new guys, now you've got this guy, and you're still not realizing it, maybe you're not good enough. But I, I, I They I'm do the, have a lot invested in these picks, too. Right, and, and that's and the I know thing. that they were playing the long shot of, hey, let's get multiple guys out of a big class to pop. Right. Um, but you do you do need a couple more to, to, you, you to do. give you something, right? You, you do. You absolutely do. And so that's why when, when they don't make moves or they don't do this or they from don't do that. From a pitching perspective, I should say. Yeah, yeah, from a pitching perspective, I look at it and go, I, I just kind of want to see what they're going to do with a new voice. Because if you trade them to a different organization, you're giving them a new voice. You're taking them out of what this organization used to be. This organization went the other way. They brought in new voices for a lot of these young pitchers to see what they can do. And a lot of these young pitchers may gravitate to these new pitching voices, this new manager, this new style of doing things here in Kansas City that isn't, you know, different than what everybody else was doing. I mean, for 16 years, the Royals were criticized for the way that they developed starting pitching under Dayton Moore. They didn't develop any starting pitching under Dayton Moore. I don't think anybody can argue that, right? I mean, are we going to split hairs and say yo for, for a year or two? And that's about it. Every guy that starred on that championship team that was a starting pitcher was acquired, basically, Josh, outside the organization. You had Cueto. You had Guthrie. You had Shields. Like, in order to build a rotation that was good enough to win a world championship, it all had to be acquired from outside the organization. Well, you have three guys right now that are, what, top 50 picks, if I'm not mistaken, and Lynch, Singer, and Kowar, and all those guys, and even Bubich into the mix of that as well. Give them a new voice, give them a new leader, give them a new direction, give them a new way of doing things, and let's see what can happen. What if all of a sudden two of those guys pop, and now all of a sudden you're sitting with Singer and Lynch and Bubich as your one, two, three that are throwing BBs and darts and dynamite performances every fifth day out there on the mound? We're going to say, wow, look at what that change did. We didn't have to go out and make a move. We made a move with the new voice inside the organization and that unlocked Look, everything. Look, I'm conflicted a little bit because, yeah, there's garbage moves out there. You know what I mean? Like, I none of the, I didn't want any of these guys that were in that were projected the Royals. Like, I don't want a 33 year old who just found his breaking ball. You know what I mean? Like, oh, so the I Angels didn't, signed a guy the other day who who had a career year last year. Right. A bunch of there's a bunch of career year guys that were out there right. that were targeted. I don't, Look at the back of their you know, baseball so card. I don't That's who those, they are. I don't want those either. But um, I guess it's just lower expectations. Hope a new voice works. And we'll see. I don't know if that's going to be exciting enough for the fans. Probably not. You know what I mean? But, but probably like, not. You're going to have to, again, battle back from the bottom where you played out. And then mm-hmm. you're going to have a bunch of people say, well, you, you're running it back? Like, but it's, what is it, this insanity? Yeah. So um, that's a hard sell. I'm yeah. just saying it's a hard sell. Not that I want to go get, um, yeah, uh, Jamison Tyon or whatever. Like, hope he is the top of your rotation guy and waste a bunch of money on that. But um Something I was hoping I was hoping they would pull off a trade. Yeah, to be perfectly and honest. You could still and do that, and it sounds like that he's he, he's basically acknowledging there's nobody out there that's interested. Yeah, in but, what we're trying to do. So, um, but business gonna, doesn't end today. They're going no, but I'm saying they this lays the groundwork, and he's telling you there's no groundwork. Yeah, he's saying it in his own words. We have not made any inroads in that. 
So we're going to go our young pitchers, and we're going to bring in a couple bullpen guys you never heard of. Mm -hmm. That's basically it. Yeah. That's what they're going to do, and then run it back. Is that satisfying enough for most fans? I'd say probably well, not. Well, look, when Andy Reid came in and took over a two and fourteen team, that had I, that had talent. We all saw it. Yeah, it did. It, it absolutely did. But it, but it also, but maybe these guys are talented as these young pitchers, and they just haven't been unlocked the right way, right? I I don't know the answer to that question. That's why it's more of a, huh? I'm interested to see what's going to happen, and I think that needs to be the expectation going into the season, like. If you're a Royals fan and you think next year is going to be a year where the, where the team is going to contend and win a championship, then you're looking at it wrong. And I know that sucks for the fan. Like, we, we're in this football mindset where you expect every year to be able to compete. Until baseball changes its ways, which I think is coming, and I think may have been here had COVID not happened, we're sitting in a situation where we just have to kind of deal with it. And, and I'm willing to see what this new voice can do. Give it one year. If these guys are still the same five, six, seven, eight ERA type of pitchers that they were, then they're turd birds and they stink and you move on from them. But if this new voice and these new voices unlock something and tweak something and find something and make the, the pitchers go, oh, I get it now. And then they start, start throwing BBs. We're going to be like, man, I'm glad the Royals didn't make any moves. Look at the arsenal that they got. So it's, it's sink or swim. There's no question about it. It's sink or swim. We're going to know a lot more about JJ and Q and the pitching standpoint of everything in this organization. I hate to say it a year from now. And so just go to the ballpark and enjoy a cold beer and a hot dog, man. Like that's kind of what it's going to be. Or don't. Or don't. Or don't. It's up to you. What, whatever you decide <laughs> to do. But don't go in with any expectation this season. That's and right. I think By the time be you get the streaming it, right? fix, you'll want to watch them. So that's fine. Yeah. I guess in a year. MLB will get that done. Uh, we get the lay of the land from Denver. We check in on really how bad it is with Brandon Cristal of KOA in Denver. Next. The home for Legend Bob. Legend Bob. He's an expert on rubbing balls. Fesco in the morning. Brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound. Your home for car audio since 1967 on 610 Sports Radio. Chiefs and Broncos, Sunday, 3.05 on 106.5. The Wolf. I'll join Mitch Holtis, Dean, and Hughes on the call. Pre-game gets started at noon on the Wolf and here on 610 Sports Radio. We head to Denver. Our buddy Brandon Cristal of KOA, 610 alum, now covers the Broncos in Denver for KOA. And Brandon, I guess we'll start with uh, exactly how bad is it? Well, let me ask you guys, how bad does it seem, you know, from five, 600 miles away in Kansas City with what you expected the Broncos to be when they made the trade for Russell Wilson and brought in an offensive-minded coach and Nathaniel Hackett? I know you asked me the question, but quickly, what, what do you guys think it, it appears from the outside looking in. No, I, think I thought there were going to be a playoff. <laughs> I, I thought it was going to be a playoff team when it, when the move really happened, this was a playoff team that was going to maybe not challenge for the division title, but be a, be a playoff team, not be a questioning the entire operation. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that that's realistic. It is funny though, looking back to July and August when you had people that were ready to not only take the chiefs off the top of the division, but, a handful, and I don't say a lot, but there were people out there that thought the Chiefs, with the Tyreek Hill trade and just attrition and everything else, were going to take a step back and, and maybe even miss the playoffs. That seemed crazy to me because we've seen what Tom Brady has done in his entire career. We saw what Peyton Manning did his entire career. And when you have a quarterback like that, and the Chiefs absolutely do, you're in the playoff mix every year, 10, 11, 12 wins. So you add Russell Wilson to the mix in Denver, and you think, even if it's not all working, guys get banged up, whatever may happen, Russell Wilson's going to keep you in playoff contention because he's done it his entire career. They went to the playoffs eight out of 10 times in Seattle. 
He was a pro bowler nine times, although as Hugh Millen pointed out to us last week on KOA that, well, he's really only a pro bowler five times, four times he was an alternate. Point is he has nine pro bowls on his resume. There was no way to expect that this was going to be one of the worst offenses anyone's ever seen. In fact, historically bad with where they are. And then you juxtapose that with a defense that's been as good historically as we've seen in recent memory, especially considering the pieces that they've lost here and there. It's remarkable, remarkable what this season has become and and what they have to look forward to now in the final five weeks as they just play out the string. Well, Brandon, I, I think the, the real question for a lot of people is going to be, is it the quarterback or the coach? Who is the real problem there in Denver? What say you? In some ways, it's kind of both. And Nathaniel Hackett is maybe a victim of his own making in that I think he wanted to run the football. But then I think he also looked over and said, well, we've got a quarterback that wants to be an MVP. He chose us. He wants to be here. And it is easier to to pick up yards passing the ball, as you see with what the Chiefs are able to do when they need to. And and you look at where Patrick's numbers are right now, and, and I double-checked him, but I didn't realize he has almost 400 yards or whatever it is more than Joe Burrow, who's second in yards, and he's got 30 touchdowns, and I think second is 25. And and the Peyton Manning theory, right, that, hey, passing's just easier than throwing. Maybe not on your own line, but you can pick up more yards. I mean, passing's easier than running. That being said, I remember talking to Daniel Hackett at the Combine, and this is before they had made a trade for for Russell Wilson, obviously, and although I guess not that much <laughs> much uh, earlier than, than the trade actually went down. It was about a week now that I think about it. But I talked to him about Syracuse. And I said, you know, look at those running backs that they had, right? How cool is that? Jim Brown, Ernie Davis, the great Floyd Little, uh, the Broncos legend. And he goes, yeah. And we outrushed all of them. We put up better rushing numbers than than any of those teams. Like, okay. And and what I got from that was this is a guy that wants to run the football. That's what they did with Blake Bortles when they had success. He is born in the West Coast offense and running the ball and grew up around Marty Ball a little bit, obviously, with his dad there in Kansas City. So he thought, okay, they're going to run the football and then Russell make plays. And that'll be that. But then they come out against Tennessee, coming off a, a big win against the Jags on the road in London or whatever that was. I guess it was kind of a home game, but in London. And they throw it eight or nine times right off the bat. And all of a sudden, it, it's just skewed. And that's what's been all year where it feels like Hackett hasn't been able to get out of his own way. Now, in recent weeks, Clint Kubiak's calling plays. The balance has been a little bit better. But with attrition, they just aren't where they need to be in terms of personnel. And that's something worth mentioning. It may not be a full excuse at the same time. It is a factor. They've got the most money on IR and a lot of starters, including running back Javante Williams. It screwed a bunch of people's fantasy football teams. He hasn't played since week four when he got hurt in Vegas. And it all kind of adds together. But Russ wanted to be out of shotgun. Problem is he doesn't operate as well out of shotgun, certainly not in this offense. And so Nathaniel Hackett probably doesn't withstand the year unless they beat the Chiefs not once, but maybe twice and win these last five games or, or look really good in, in doing so. But at every turn, including the other day, they knock Lamar Jackson out of the game. That wasn't their intent, but he goes out. And they still find a way to lose to Tyler Huntley and the Ravens 10 to nine. So is Russell Wilson going to have to hire the next coach or offense? Seems like that the similar issues in Seattle with the offense, or is he going to find somebody that he'll listen to and maybe play to his strengths better? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be sort of a combination. You, you can't, let Russ have too much power. I think they've already kind of made that mistake unintentionally. It's not that they let Russ have too much power. They just let him kind of operate the way he wants. And, and it's become an issue because of where they are record-wise that he has his own office, right? Lots of quarterbacks don't. Their office is the quarterback room. He's had his own office where he has people that work for him and with him that that's where they hang out. They don't go to the locker room. They don't go to 
player areas. They're not hanging out in the lunchroom. They grab their food. But Jake Heaps is his personal quarterback's coach. He's in the building every day. He's got a nutritionist in the building. He's got a stretcher in the building. And while that's all well and good, I think he missed the point of, we know that you're working hard. Peyton Manning worked hard. John Elway worked hard. But they also were, quote, unquote, one of the guys. And they were in the locker room when they needed to be. And for Russ, I, I think that he's tried to be in there a little more. And maybe it was coincidence that he's playing Uno when we're in there the other day when, when the media is allowed to be in the locker room. But I've talked to defensive players, so they don't even know him. It's not that they don't like him one way or the other. They're like, we just don't really know the guy. He's off in his office. He's doing his other stuff, and that's fine. But it doesn't give us a chance to really get to know him. And so I think that by allowing stuff like that, you've kind of let the toothpaste out of the tube. Let's say a new head coach comes in and we'll just make up names, but Dan Quinn, Sean Payton, don't know if any of those guys are going to take the jobs, but established coaches. I don't know how easy it is to come in and say, Hey, Russ, you're losing your office. Your people can still work here. They just got to hang out in the training room or in the, or somewhere else or in the cafeteria and then do what they need to with you and then get back to wherever we'll, we'll see how that all shakes out. Talk with Brandon Cristal of KOA in Denver. And, and, and Brandon, I guess my question for you then is what is this team going to look like on May 1st. Who's the head coach? Is there a new general manager? How does ownership handle things? And are they willing to just write a Walmart type of check and just pay Russ to go away? Because it sounds like it may be the best thing for this franchise to pay him to leave because he's clearly not one of the guys. Yeah, it, it crushes you financially. And unless you have a really good solution, and right now they don't because their number three draft pick is a Seahawks draft pick and their pick that they got when they moved Bradley Chubb, is maybe going to be as as low as 31 if the Niners can get their quarterback situation figured out, but certainly going to be in the mid to high 20s. And odds are you're not finding a franchise quarterback in this draft if you're the Broncos specifically, unless you're going to trade away more assets. And they do have assets to trade. But at the same time, you have to figure out a way to make it work. And as much as I think a lot of us like Nathaniel Hackett, I know I certainly do, he made some mistakes with some of his hirings and maybe relied on friendship a little too much or friends or his agent a little too much with some of the position coaches he's brought in. Now he hit a home run with his best friend from college. Ijiro Ivero, the defensive coordinator is lights out. And even as they move pieces, I mentioned Bradley Chubb, he gets traded. They're still putting up championship level numbers against good offenses. But beyond that, there's certainly some, some overhaul that needs to be done. And I don't know if they can find a different play caller. that isn't Clint Kubiak. I'm not picking on Clint, but someone that would make even more sense with Russ that you can keep Nathaniel Hackett because you like his personality and you like the way he relates to players. So I think at the very least you're going to see a new head coach. I don't know if that means you go back to a Dan Quinn type. Do you give Evero a shot? Not only a legitimate interview, but even though he's best friends with Nathaniel Hackett and likely would have hired Hackett in a different situation, he knows he can't do that now to be his play caller. Do you think he's got the makeup to be your head coach? He's one of those People that, you know, there were 32 coaches and 32 personnel people that went down to Atlanta in August during camp and met with a lot of owners so that they were kind of on their radar, mostly minority and, and female candidates so that they could just kind of accelerate that process rather than some of those owners only hearing these names, getting to put faces to these names and talk to some of these people. He's really well regarded, but if they do go with a veteran coach, a Dan Quinn type, that gets you some some credibility in the room. I think with the entire team, certainly, and with Russ to some degree. But again, Russ has to buy in. I don't think George Payton loses his gig after just two years, but he was the one pushing for Russ's contract extension. And that looks obviously like a ridiculous deal as it stands right now. We know that the Walton Penner group can afford to pay anyone anything. He's the richest owner in the NFL is Rob Walton. But we also have never seen them own a team. 
right? David Tepper's got three owners now in five years. Dan Snyder gets a new owner every other, or a new, sorry, three coaches in five years. Dan Snyder gets a new coach every other year, just about. They may not want to follow that route. At the same time, if they don't win any more games and finish with three wins, they can't keep Nathaniel Hackett. Specifically in these two games with the Chiefs, as well as this defense has been playing, can they make uh, games interesting with the Chiefs, or is it not anywhere near enough? Only because it's the NFL, right? But I mentioned how banged up they are. They don't have their left tackle. They probably don't have their starting center. They don't have a right tackle. Randy Gregory, who they paid big money to, won't play against the Chiefs in this first game. Cortland Sutton's hamstrings bothering him. Jerry Judy's been banged up. They put K.J. Hamler on IR. I mentioned no Javante Williams. Does Latavius Murray scare the Chiefs defense? Probably not. Does Mike Boone? Probably not. Does Marlon Mack? Probably not. And so you look at where they are, even with Russell Wilson, and and if the game's close, he hasn't shown that he can go displaying that Russell Wilson magic other than week week three against the the Niners when they won 11 to 10 and he scored on that final drive and gave Niners fans PTSD that they're used to seeing him make those plays late in the game so I, I wouldn't expect that they keep this game too close at the same time weird things happen in the NFL right and between guys getting banged up or this or that or a turnover here and there any, anything's possible but I, I see the Chiefs certainly winning this game easily and we'll see where things shake out in terms of playoff seeding, they likely do have to play hard. I thought it was the last game of the year until a couple of weeks ago. I realized it's next to last. So there's no reason to think that the Chiefs' 13 straight wins against the Broncos doesn't become 14 and eventually 15 straight. That's Brandon Cristal of KOA in Denver joining us. Not a lot of optimism surrounding the, uh, the Broncos these days. And did you catch the part about Russ having his own office? We got to get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that next. Keep listening to Fesco in the Morning. Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. Brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound. Your home for car audio since 1967 on 610 Sports Radio. Well, 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 we got Thursday night football on tap tonight. And if you're in Kansas, you got to download that FanDuel app because FanDuel Sportsbook is the official partner of 610 Sports Radio. Start NFL Week 14 off right with a no-sweat same-game parlay from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or already have an account. You'll get free bets back if your Thursday night same-game parlay doesn't hit. NFL same-game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. You could take Josh Jacobs over the rushing yards, Derek Carr over the passing yards, Allen Robinson with an anytime touchdown, maybe even some Baker Mayfield odds as well. Build your own or choose from one of the popular SGPs pre-built for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet the NFL on Thursday night with a no-sweat same-game parlay. Just sign up with promo code 610BOB if you don't already have an account. If you already have FanDuel, you're all set. Just sign in and see what you got. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 21 and present in Kansas. Three-plus legs. Minimum $1 bet required. Refund issued. Non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max free bet $5. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem getting help is your best bet. Call 800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Find a fresh new job at Keurig Dr. Pepper 7-Up in Lenexa, Kansas. We offer $20 per hour for warehouse workers and $27 for CDL drivers. Learn more at careers.keurigdrpepper.com. Equal opportunity employer. So uh, Russ thinks he's Tom Brady. I don't know that he thinks he's Tom Brady. I just think he thinks he's better than everybody else, right? So Tom Brady's done this for years, Tom, dating back to uh, Tom Brady. He brought can. his 
he brought his people into uh, into New England. That was a big deal back yeah. in the day, and he had the guy on the plane and all right. that stuff. And they let Russell do that. But did did Tom Brady? I don't remember stories of Tom Brady sitting in an office and never being around his teammates and basically telling everybody, "I'm better than you." Kiss the ring type of stuff, right? Like the Russell Wilson having his own office thing is bizarre to me. That's yeah. I did yeah. Brandon Cristal, KOA in Denver, says the guy's not really around his teammates a lot. You can't let Russ have too much power. I think they've already kind of made that mistake unintentionally. It's not that they let Russ have too much power. They just let him kind of operate the way he wants. And and it's become an issue because of where they are record-wise that he has his own office, right? Lots of quarterbacks don't. Their office is the quarterback room. He's had his own office where he has people that work for him and with him that that's where they hang out. They don't go to the locker room. They don't go to the player areas. They're not hanging out in the lunchroom. They grab their food. But Jake Heaps is his personal quarterback's coach. He's in the building every day. He's got a nutritionist in the building. He's got a stretcher in the building. And while that's all well and good, I think he missed the point of, we know that you're working hard. Peyton Manning worked hard. John Elway worked hard. But they also were, quote unquote, one of the guys. And they were in the locker room they needed to be. And for Russ, I, I think that he's tried to be in there a little more. And maybe it was coincidence that he's playing Uno when we're in there the other day when when the media is allowed to be in the locker room but I've talked to defensive players so they don't even know him it's not that they don't like him one way or the other they're like we just don't really know the guy he's off in his office he's doing his other stuff and that's fine but it doesn't give us a chance to really get to know him that's weird the whole Russell Wilson thing just sounds like a contrived script that he's following of trying to be something and somebody that maybe He's not. And when you try to be somebody and fake who you are, it really comes across. And we're seeing it right now with Russell Wilson. Quarterback guy. I mean, everybody's got their own guru or something. Patrick's got got his his own quarterback guy. He's got his own trainer that he works out with in the offseason. I've not heard anything of them bunking up at at Arrowhead. No, I have not heard that either. (laughs) And I don't think Andy Reid would allow something like that to go on. I mean, now now the difference is Andy Reid is a veteran coach and Nathaniel Hackett is a former Chiefs fan that got a job. I mean, so you've got yourself two totally different ends of the spectrum. I mean, that that's where leadership is important and where you've got to have a great veteran leader as your head coach, because if you don't, then you have a guy like Russell Wilson, who's importing coaches and, and people and has an office in the building and he hangs out there. And then when people start to say they don't know who Russell Wilson is, he shows up in open locker room and is fake playing Uno. Yeah, I don't buy that for a second. Who's buying any of that? And and so if that's what's going on behind the scenes, then that's why they're having issues out there in Denver. And it is a combination of the coach and the quarterback not doing the right things. You've got a neophyte young coach out there in Denver, and you've got a quote-unquote superstar quarterback in Russell Wilson – and the coach is letting Russell Wilson run all over him. You, you, you just can't do that. The coach has got to be the voice who's got to say, you're not going to be in an office all day with people who aren't employed by the team. You're going to go down there yeah, and like introduce sounds, yourself to the teammates. It sounds ridiculous. I mean, you hire a quarterback coach for your team, and then his guy's there. Right. Former KU quarterback Jake Heaps, right. by the way. Yes, legend. Um, legend. But when you don't know the guys on your team... How like and then and, how are you not getting different messages when you go upstairs? Well, that, that's those are your too. people up there are like breaking you down and then you go down to a meeting room and they're doing stuff and then they go up there and they're no, don't do it that way. Yeah, it's like the father like, driving his kid home from youth practice like, telling his kid that the coach is an idiot and yeah, a moron and doesn't is, know what he's doing. This right? is totally dysfunctional. But yeah, um, it's a mess. And then there's been there have been reports of um um the the uh the Wilsons uh unannounced 
Going out to dinner. Yeah, going out to dinner, right? And and closing down restaurants. Right, buying like out not, all restaurants so nobody else can get in. Like not with a, like a reservation, and we're going to reserve a, just to go out on a random Tuesday. They'd go, and then they'd buy out the restaurant. That's and right. Nobody else could go Every, eat. Who else? Everybody, everybody does that, right? Don't they? I don't uh, think so. I've never heard that before. Like, I, don't, I don't think so. What kind not, of loser are you that you want to like, buy the whole restaurant? Not like all the time. Right. You know? But I mean, if you want to go and sit in a private room or whatever, that's fine. fine. Or Rent the private they room. They want to, you know, put you at a table that's, you know, got ropes around it or whatever. Fine. Right. Um, it just, yeah, this he's he is a prima donna. I mean, he, he he really is, and it really reminds me of the guy in Major League Two, Charlie Sheen. It reminds me of Wild Thing, Thing Vaughn when he gets really good. He starts wearing the slick suits. He carries around that. Remember that brick phone that people had back in the day? He's got the hot agent with him and all this kind of stuff. And he forgets like who he was and where he came from, and 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 I think that's where Russell Wilson is right now. Russell Wilson is so concerned with image and and all this other stuff that he forgot that hey man, you're a football player, and right now you're not a very good one. And you can sit there and blame everybody else and coaches and entourages, but at the end of the day, guys get old and guys aren't good anymore. And I think that's where Russell Wilson is. And the Denver Broncos made a major decision to pay him a lot of money. And now they're stuck with $260 million of bad quarterback play who has an office with a bunch of hangers on who are just up there telling them that everybody else is wrong and he's okay. Like it's he's fine surrounded to have a himself by yes men. Stretcher right? and a quarterback. In the building's the part that baffles yeah, me. Yeah, well, having your own private like if you office. Could leave, if, you could, if you left at the end of the day and, you know, someone went and stretched you. you fine. Know, that's great. Fine. Great. Fantastic. Great. You, you do stuff outside. You can do that too. Right. You go to stretch zone. That's what I do. That's go, exactly go do right. that. I'll right. stretch you. It's fine. I haven't seen. I mean, if you're offering stretch on, you could come here and we could we could have an office set up shop here. <laughs> no, right. no one's no one's volunteered that. But the whole thing that sounds ridiculous. Your quarterback coach is in the building, right? I mean, again, thank just thank your lucky stars for Mahomes. He's one of the guys, right? He is. Do you think anybody think that on goes that team a long would say way. anything about Mahomes? Like the defensive players are saying, it's not that we don't like him, we don't know him. And the no, one thing you hear about Mahomes is that Mahomes hangs out with the defensive yeah. players. He knows everybody he's on that everybody. team. Yeah. He's constantly there. That's a leader. That's a guy who cares about winning. That's a guy that you want on your team. Russell Wilson, in no shape or form, is a guy that you want on your team, especially in a position of leadership. Think Nathaniel Hackett has to make an appointment to check in with him in his office. Probably does. He probably has to call his agent to see if he can go up there He's and check like a receptionist in with him. Mr. Wilson's busy right now. Got a bouncer outside. Getting his uh, his daily stretch in. Yeah, this is this is actually audio of Nathaniel Hackett trying to see Russell. Hey, Mister Wilson. Yeah, not happening. You, you got to make an He's yelling appointment. outside the door. Yeah, got to make an appointment at least three days in advance, and if you cancel without twenty four hours notice, we're fining you five hundred dollars. I mean, like that's kind of the way it is wow. with Russell Wilson out there in Denver right now. So when you hear that story, just that story alone, with him having this office and the defensive players not really knowing him. That tells you why the team is three and nine or whatever they are right now and not nine and three and not contending. I don't know that they have a Nathaniel Hackett problem as much as they have a Russell Wilson and then, problem. And then they buried themselves too because he's playing in another hit. The, the offense seemingly that he wants to play now in two stops seems to be the consensus is that ain't your. Forte. Right. That ain't your style of offense. Right. Like, I don't know okay, why so, people are acquiescing to this guy. So he's just not that good. Have you set yourself up? How you set yourself up that he's going to have to hire the next coach and, co- and coordinator that he can get along with mm-hmm. and he can run whatever. But it seems like in Seattle, if you read that long piece, um, I think it was ESPN, right? Or athletic. I don't remember which one They had that long piece about ru- what went wrong with Russell. It right. was basically he was running an offense that he wanted to run, but they were like, 
this doesn't fit your skill set, and he wouldn't he wouldn't bend. Uh-huh. And now it sounds like he's coming to Denver, and they go, well, "What do you want to run?" And so they're running it, and everybody's finding out, "Well, this isn't this isn't working either." Right? You're not so, you're not very good. So you're gonna hire somebody that that will work with what he wants to do. That sounds like a bad avenue to go down. I mean, from like a personal, like just human standpoint, I feel bad for Nathaniel Hackett because he got his he's first got no opportunity yeah. to 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 be a head coach in this league. And he's going to have one year as a head coach in this league. Now, the sidelines have looked dysfunctional. They've got a lot of penalties. Like, there are certain things you can point to that's saying, all right, the head coach isn't getting the job done here. But he's never really had the chance because he's been saddled with Russell Wilson, who is not on the same page as him. I mean, this is just one of those deals where I look at it and I go, maybe Nathaniel Hackett didn't get a fair shake here because he was saddled with Russell Wilson and Russell Wilson and him and everybody else in that organization never got on the same page. I wish there was a way for, De- for, for, for Nathaniel Hackett's sake anyway, where they could punt Russell Wilson and let him get another opportunity with a different quarterback to really put it in his game plan to see truly what kind of head coach he is because nobody ever got to really see what kind of head coach he is. Nobody ever got to see what he can do because of this Russell Wilson situation. There's no situation. telling he gets another job and, and, either. And there's probably no telling that he does get another job. I mean, it, it's hard to hire that guy because you can't, it, regardless of, of, of our conversation right now, how are you going to sell your fan base on Nathaniel Hackett, who was 3-12 and 12 with Russell Wilson as his quarterback, right? Going to be a hard sell for a lot of people out there. So he may not get another opportunity. And, and he has to look at Russell Wilson and go, you SOB, you've cost me an opportunity to be a head coach in this league, and, and I hate you for it. Like, Should have said no to that office. Yeah, well, he, but, but who knows what the GM promised them, what old ownership promised them when they brought Russell Wilson in here. Like, everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. And at the end of the day, Nathaniel Hackett's going, I got screwed here. I got the opportunity. I got the money. I got the check. I got the buyout. I got all of that. But did we really see if Nathaniel Hackett could be a good head football coach? And the answer to that question is no. And we probably never will get to see that. No. Be careful, though. It's spicy. I don't I know mean, that I've ever seen anybody that's such a fake and a phony like this guy. Hey, Mr. Wilson! It's bad. Bad, 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 bad. Ooh. I think I'm with you. 35 Uh The gap seems to have closed for people in the AFC. We'll discuss next. This is Fesco in the Morning, brought to you by Santa Fe Auto Sound, your home for car audio since 1967, on your official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Uh, Vaughn uh, underwent surgery yesterday. It was uh, exploratory type of surgery, and it turned out that he uh, he got a uh, ACL uh, repair in there. So he'll be out for the year uh, as an update for you guys. Very unfortunate situation uh, for Vaughn, obviously, in our team. Uh, we care for him, obviously, like, in, like we would any player. Uh, we know how much this means uh, to him in terms of playing and, and being with the team. So we look forward to getting him back. Uh, obviously off the field for the rest of the season and and his leadership. And we're certainly thinking about him as he recovers here. Bill's coach, Sean McDermott. Devastating, right? He looked super sad. He looked like Dick Vermeil did when Trent Green went down. He's looking down. He's kind of not making eye contact. Mm -hmm. That looked like a devastating press conference yeah, yesterday very upsetting if you're and then right. how does that filter down to the team if your coach looks that 
depressed about it. Well, look, right? let, let's call it what it is. It's a major loss for Buffalo, and I think it severely hurts their chances of, of winning the AFC. Massive it, difference maker it, it, he it, was. He's yep. a huge difference maker. And we'll talk to Ben Maller coming up about it at 7.15. He's a Rams fan, and he saw what the addition of, of – uh, Von Miller met for the Rams last year, right? I mean, he was a big addition for them. Got to the quarterback, made some plays, helped them win a Super Bowl. We saw what Von Miller did in the game here in Kansas City. I think I remember after that game, Josh, you saying something to the effect of Von Miller was the reason why Buffalo won this game. I mean, he was a difference maker in that game against the Chiefs a couple of months ago. And to not have him around, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not one of these guys, I'll never root for an injury, but I'm not going to be upset when another team loses a guy that makes them a better football team. And that's what happened in Buffalo. I'm not going to cry any tears for the Buffalo Bills or Sean McDermott or anybody like that. And and I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for an injury. But if it happens, it's it's part of the deal. And, you know, we've been very fortunate to, to really, truly not face a devastating injury here in shh, Kansas City. Shh, shh, right. Like something like shh. that since Patrick Mahomes has come on board. Shh. I know. Right. I'm jinxing it right now, probably. Shh. Right. But even if even if they did suffer an injury and the Chiefs have, I mean, remember, Mahomes went out for a while. They yeah. find ways to 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 overcome those injuries like right now we're trying to find ways to overcome the McCole Hardman injury, or we found ways to overcome Willie Gay, or we found ways to overcome Frank Clark being suspended slash hurt, you know, missing time or whatever the case may be. The chiefs have done a really nice job of kind of weathering the storm. I'm going to be interested to see how Buffalo weathers this storm and how it changes up their defense. Because I personally believe it is a major loss for Buffalo. And I think it kind of takes them out of the championship hunt right now. I thought the coach sounded like it was such a major loss. That's the other thing too. When your leader is acting like that, you know, when, and I say, it's kind of reminded me of Dick Vermeil. when Dick Vermeil lost Trent green, he was crying, right? We all know that right back in 1999 when Trent blew out his knee, but the one thing that Dick Vermeil did was in that press conference, I think Al Saunders even told us about this, he rallied everybody and said, hey, we're not going to let this get us down. We're going to turn it over to Kurt Warner, and we're going to be a good football team. They went on and won the Super Bowl. Sean McDermott didn't handle it that way yesterday. He did not handle it at all. He had the same reaction as you and me and any fan out there would have like, Oh my God, this is a devastating injury. How are we going to get over it? When you're the leader of an organization, that's why Dick Vermeil's in the Hall of Fame. That's why Dick Vermeil has won a Super Bowl. He is a leader of an organization that put on the face and was the leader that that team needed when Trent Green went down. Sean McDermott didn't necessarily do that. If that was in Kansas City and Von Miller went down, Andy Reid would get up there and go, hey, we're just going to focus on the players that we got. We're still a good football team, and we're still going to go out there and win games, and we look forward and to we, the challenge. And we'd be freaking out. Yeah, right. and, and Every, we would Everybody be, else would be freaking but out. But Andy yeah. wouldn't. And, and again, you've mentioned it numerous times, why Andy Reid is so good. He's just so steady and doesn't let anything affect him along the way that could derail the car. And Sean McDermott, being a younger head coach in this league, obviously, probably doesn't have the experience and, and didn't know how to handle it. He handled it like a human being would handle it in Buffalo when your best defensive player like, went down. Right? We, made the, we got this guy for a reason. Right. Now we don't have and him. Now we don't have oh, him. Oh, man. My question is, though, what is exploratory surgery? Like if a doctor came to you and said, let us cut on you. We're going to explore. Is that something you're interested in doing? And then all of a sudden you wake up and they're like, hey, I fixed your ACL for you. Like, what? What do you mean you fixed my ACL? Yeah, it was busted, man. That whole thing was yeah. shredded. Sorry, you didn't have you're done a for year. Excuse me? See you next year. Yeah. And again, an ACL injury is is about a year-long process to heal and get better. And then mentally, it, you know, where does it take you? I mean, you're talking, Josh, I hate to say this, two full years before you see Von Miller truly back 
to what he is. And I base that off of what we've seen here in Kansas City with Eric Berry coming off that big injury, what we saw with Juan Thornhill coming off that big-time injury. It took them two full years to get back mentally where they believed that they could trust that knee. And if you're looking at Von Miller, and I know everybody else is, his birth date is a long time ago. So in two years from now, is Von Miller going to want to come back? Is he going to be able to come back? Is he going to be strong, you know, know, where, where he was before the injury? I don't know the answers to those questions, but I know as time marches on and guys get older and they got to deal with these injuries, is it worth it to continue to fight on? And that's something that Von Miller's going to have to answer. We may never see Von Miller at that level again because of his age and how long it truly does take to recover from one of these ACL injuries. Yeah, and it's the same knee, same ACL that he tore in 2013. So that's going to play a factor as well. Is he going to have the commitment and drive? We all know he has the motor right. and, and the want to, but like you said, that's two years from now. You know, will he and can he be that same player and that same difference? Mm-hmm. And when does he get back on the field? He's not going to be back in training camp, right? No. Uh, these are athletes, so maybe. Maybe. But I thought like an ACL was like, it was a year. Like you were done for a year, right, with an ACL. So that would include all of next season. Maybe it's like an Odell Beckham. Look, Odell Beckham Jr. still not ready to go. They're Correct. still saying he needs Correct. five more weeks. About the same time frame. Right. Yeah. So... I mean, I, not? I, yeah. I, I, he may miss all of next year, too. And then the mental f- side of things of trusting that knee again puts you in December of 2024. Man. I mean, they're still good. I'm not discounting that. But he he I didn't think it was going to work when they signed him. He like, was the missing piece. What though. a what a bunch of money you, you, you threw out there. And then I saw it in action. I'm like, OK, feels like you you got a mercenary. You got a closer. Yeah, that's a missing piece for you. Now it's not there. Now so it's not there. We'll see. We'll see. Feels like that um, the gaps closed in the AFC over the course of really a loss to Cincinnati. It's true. It, yeah, it really does. Like, I know just talking to people this week, it's like there's a little trepidation now. There's a little, hmm, when the playoffs happen, are there more teams that can contend with you than you, you thought or hoped? And I think the answer is yes. We were going through the playoff scenarios um, this week, and other than the Jets – I feel like every single other one of those could be a really tight contested game. No doubt. And like a month ago, we we're like, oh, no, it's Chiefs and Bills. And we we're destined to meet in the AFC championship game and, you know, battle it out to see us go into the Super Bowl. Now it's like, no, there's the gaps closed suddenly. And people, I think, are feeling a little bit like uh, vulnerable. All yeah, of a sudden well, I think so. I think the Chiefs, I think we had the same conversation after the Buffalo loss. And then the Chiefs went on and won five or six in a row and everybody was feeling really good. Then you stub your toe and you lose the Cincinnati and. I've just determined that over the last four years, we don't know. We don't understand how to handle a regular season no. loss uh-huh. a, at all. I mean, it's it, it's the way that I think a lot of us handle a regular season loss around these parts now is like, you know, a, a child who is, you know, hangry and doesn't understand what they need to do. And they lie in the center of the floor and they kick and scream until they pass out. Right. Like we, we've all been there with our children where you just kind of let them go. You wind them up like a top. You let them spin and fizzle out. Like remember those old jumping jack fireworks that you would light? They would bounce around and then they would just fizzle out. 
that's kind of how I see some fans. I'm not saying all because it's not. Nothing's ever all. There are some that go, it's a regular season loss, and you move on. But there are some that go to the center of the room and then flame out and then uh, pass out and, and just don't understand how to handle a loss, right? And, and, and I received a text from a friend of mine after the loss to Cincinnati. And, and I'm sure your phone and B-Dub, your phone, we all had similar type conversations going on with friends that were losing their minds, that were freaking out. This thing is over. Oh, my God. I'm like, nine and three, the two seed, like, we're, we're, we're still pretty good. But one that kind of stood out to me is, as I had a buddy say, for the first time in the Mahomes era, I can't say the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. And if you want to debate that, it's debatable. Look, Cincinnati's beat you three straight times, right? Mm-hmm. In 336 days, you lost three times to the Cincinnati Bengals and had leads in all of those games that you blew. Okay, that's fine. If you want to debate Cincinnati's a better team, I hate to say it, they got scoreboard right now. They just do. That's the only way you can settle things is on the field. Cincinnati they three, Kansas City field. nothing. Yes, they yes. didn't settle it in one game. They settled it in three, three. games, yeah. both home and, and away, yep. right? Yep. So they clearly have scoreboard. But what I was thinking about is, like, it's okay if we're not the best team on December 8th, which, by the way, my daughter's birthday, 13 today. Happy birthday, Delaney. I love you. Um, you're, you're looking at a, a a team that doesn't have to be playing the best in November or December. Like, I understand when, when the gates open on September 11th and when they close on February 14th, you want to be undefeated. You want to be the best team. And everything and, go perfectly. And everything go perfectly. Mm-hmm. That's not reality. Again, since the leagues have merged in 1970, there's only been one team in the history of this league that ran the table and won every single game on their schedule, the 72 Dolphins. This has not happened since then. So losses do happen on the reg, as the kids like to say, in the NFL. Do they? Well, they used to. I don't know if they're saying that anymore, right? Kids in my generation. So it's not about being the best team in November or the best team in December. It's about being the best team in January and February. And I'll speak from a KU fan standpoint for a second. What do KU fans always say in January or February when they house Texas Tech? Oh, my God, I hope we're not peaking too early, right? You hear that every year Correct. from Kansas basketball fans, right? And then right? you need to get the loss out of your system. And then you need to get the loss yeah. out of your system. So why can't we take that and equate it to the Chiefs? You don't want to be peaking in November or December. You want to be peaking in January. You want to really hit your peak at the end of January and the beginning of February. And so for Kansas basketball fans, everybody says, and all coaches would say, we want to be playing our best basketball when? March. March. Yes. So you're going to stub your toe. You're going to lose a game. Baylor's going to sneak up and bite you. You may lose a game to UCF or whoever's in the league right now. And it's going to happen. It's not a big deal unless you let it become a big deal and don't get better because of it. And I think we need to have that kind of mindset with the Chiefs right now. We don't need to be peaking in November. We don't need to be peaking in December. You need to be playing your best and peaking in January and February. There's still room to get better with the Chiefs. And that's not a bad thing. Sometimes a loss helps you hit that reset button, right? And make you take a big picture look at everything that's going on. Because when you win, it covers up your warts. But when you lose, your warts become exposed, and now you have the attention of the guys in that room. You and I know over the years of talking to Bill Self, he used to get a kick out of losing games sometimes because he would sit there and preach and preach and preach and practice that they need to do these things, and they'd be like, man, we're housing people. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you say, old man. We're not doing this kind of stuff. Then they lose. Now he's got their attention. And now he can say, see what I've been telling you for all these weeks, you need to do A, B, and C, and you're not doing it, and you got beat. 
You going to start listening to me now? Yes, coach, we'll start listening. And so that's kind of where it is right now. I think secretly, like Andy Reid and all those guys are like, it's not a bad thing we lost to Cincinnati. I mean, you don't like to lose. You put in all these hours and work to win a game. But at the end of the day, you lost a regular season game. You're nine and three. Everything you're still playing for is right there. You don't need to be peaking for another month or so. And Andy Reid is looking at it going, now I got their attention. Now I got their attention. And watch this thing go on a run. It's happened numerous times with Andy Reid, too. Well, they've already been on, what, two five-game win streaks after a loss or something? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was five five game already this year. So now you can run another five heading into the playoffs and be just fine. Yeah, I think so, too. So just approach it like that. Don't need to be peaking in November, December. You don't need to be the best team in November. You don't need to be the best team in December. You need to be the best team in January, the beginning of February. And that's it.